Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. The Province Force Podcast. Welcome to the White Towel Podcast. I'm Paul Chapman, joined by Ed Willis. You can subscribe to these and uh, download, rate us at Apple Podcasts, and you get our insight on the Canucks all week. And Ed, what a week to offer insight on the Canucks. <laughs> it, was, uh, it, it was funny. Like, we're, we're, we're sitting there all kind of uh, congregated in the bowels of uh, Rogers and Arena watching the, you know, Tigger go on the dead, and uh, it looks like nothing's going to happen. I had this thought that we can get to. Uh, about a column, and then all of a sudden, in the space of five minutes, yeah. boom, good Branson. And then, for me, the shocker, because nobody saw it coming, was ja- Jonathan Dallin uh, g- getting traded. So it turned into a fairly noteworthy day all of a sudden. Well, it did, and I, I hate to keep referencing uh, social media and because th- sometimes you can have one person with a little bit of skewed thought and it gets a lot of, of voice just because it gets shared or, or whatever the situation is. But watching social media yesterday... Um, Jim Benning's an idiot. He's not going to do anything. Jim Benning's an idiot. He's not going to do anything. Jim Benning's an idiot. He's not going to do. My God, Benning gave away Dolan for nothing. Like you know. Well, no, but but, but for five minutes he was a golden child because he actually got something useful for Goody. Yeah. Which you know they were they're at that point they're almost ready to erect the statue for him and then (laughs) sure enough five minutes later and it don't. So so let's talk about that a bit. I I mean, um, you know, in the in the run up to. the trade deadline, you looked at guys who might have been moved. You and I talked about it last mm-hmm. week. You know, Sutter, uh, Barchi, Edler, potentially injured, Vertanen, injured, all injured. injured. So yeah, it's yeah. like, what do they have left to trade? Oh, they yeah. could never get rid of good Branson, could they? Here we are. Like, um, Not only that, but a fairly useful piece coming back, too. Yeah. And so how did that happen? Is yeah. Was he just – I know he did not play well here, but was Eric Goodbranson a, a – I want to say, was it fair to make him the scapegoat here? Or is he a guy who just wasn't a good fit for what the Canucks want to do and the Penguins saw value there? Yes, yes, yes. I, I think from the Penguins' point of view, you can draw a straight line from that outdoor game where Wayne Simmons knocks um, uh, Dumoulin out of the game and then <laughs> Chris Letang gets injured in the scrum that follows. They they thought they needed more toughness. They went out and they got good Branson for that one specific need. Now, as for what he was for the Canucks... When he was acquired, he was supposed to be like a cornerstone piece of this rebuild. This newly imagined defense, this six foot five, two hundred and twenty pound monster who's great in his own end, provide leadership, toughness, all those things. A top four guy, and I, I really think what happened. Two things happened. One, one, one. He he's been overrated his whole career because of the size, because of the luck he has. 
Um, the other thing that happened is the game changed so much in really in the space of the last five, six years where it got so fast and defensemen have to be so good with the puck and so nimble. And Good Branson just didn't have that ability to play the offensive transition game at the NHL speed. And that became painfully obvious. And then it was just kind of piling on and piling on to the point where you felt sorry for the guy because he just seemed to be so lost in you know his role with the team. And they couldn't insulate him because they kept running into injuries back there. So he had to play top four minutes, and he, he, he was exposed. It was a really unfortunate story because I, like, I really liked the guy, liked what he represented, but the game changed, and he couldn't change with it. And he, I heard some of his comments just, he acknowledged that, that he was yeah. playing poorly. Is that a function of this market where you can say, I don't read the paper, Ed, as I used to all the time, but social media, the avalanche of negative comments, even I see people would actually even tag him on Twitter. So, you know, he would have to ignore his notifications not to see this. Is it your impression that some of that stuff weighed on him? Because he acknowledged that he did not play as he thinks he can play. Yeah, I, it's hard to crawl inside his brain on that one, but like, like he, he is not dumb. I mean, he had to, and, and again, like he had the worst plus minus in the NHL. I don't care how much value you put in that statistic. That is telling when you are the worst of a bad statistic. Uh, it had to weigh on him. I and mean, he had to know, you know, why he was brought here in the hopes and expectations form. And and he's a proud guy. He really is. And, you know, I, I think to, to, to fail to, at the level he failed at had to be hurtful for him. But, he's you know, he's going to a place now where they rehabilitated more than one career. And I think you know what will be asked of him in Pittsburgh is is a lot uh, a lot less than the circumstances under which he joined the Canucks. Okay, through the lens of the Canucks, and we'll we'll get to Tanner Pearson in a moment. When you look at um, what he is allegedly going to Pittsburgh for, as you said, they need toughness, they need size. Mm-hmm. Um, Canucks' weakness is their blue line. They are yeah. worried about their smaller stars being taken advantage yeah, of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that now a gaping hole for the Canucks? As bad as and as bad a fit as Good Branson was here, is this not now a gaping need for them? Yeah, it's it's one that I think is a lot easier filled than trying to find a franchise centerman, for example, or like you know a first line wing or something like that. I think you can add grit in any number of ways. And for me, what this sets up for is Michael Furlan becomes like their number one target in the offseason because he is a top six forward and then he provides that toughness, grit factor that they're going to need. And they, they can add to it to, to it otherwhere. But that was kind of the point I made in the column I, I wrote today. It's just kind of like there's always these, you know, like the Dutch boy putting his fingers in the dike and, you know, we plug up this one, hello, another one's here, and and that's kind of this good Branson trade now. The defense always needed remodeling, but now you've got, like, this other hole and then this toughness question and all the other things to fill, too. So, uh, you know, Benning said that's what we're going to target this offseason, so we'll see how they do there. So the piece coming back, if you – if I – so they had it was Shinkarik and McCann in the first year, right? The, the first, yeah, about first two rounders, draft picks, yeah, yeah. two first rounders, which are no, now. No, no, no. I'm sorry. It, it was uh, who were we talking about? Well, so the year they had two first rounders with Jared McCann. No, no. It, yeah, it was, it was Vertanen. Vertanen, and that's right. Okay. Vertanen and McCann. Um, I'm just looking at the preponderance of first round picks that are now. You know, now you've tumbled down to. Uh, it was two years in a row they had the two first round picks, right? 
No, and, there, there was a year in between. Okay, any, yeah, they, they had one. The, the, the Toits here, they had uh, they had uh, Eric and Bohor. That's right, I believe. Yeah. That, so now you're you're if you look at where you get Tanner Pearson in return as one of the end pieces of this, and McCann, yeah. same thing, didn't work out for him in Florida. They've moved him on on as well. Um, young players, you never know when they will make that leap or if they ever will. But the Canucks end up with, uh, as you said, a, a pretty appetizing return for them. What do you know about Pearson? Where do you think he'll play, and how is he going to fit in long term with this group? Well, answer the first question. Not a lot because he's, you know, he played in the East a lot yeah. this year. Now, from his time in LA, if he's still that guy, that's a great get by uh, by Benning. If he is, because he is like kind of a, he's a perfect number six forward is what he is. He gives you grit. He gives you a bit of scoring. He gives you defensive responsibility. And, you know, like he, you know, he was playing with great line mates on that 70s line with the Kings and with Jeff Carter and Toffoli. But he held up his end of the bargain too, you know, and he was, and for three seasons, he was basically a 20 goal, 20 assist guy. If he's that guy for the Canucks, like I said, that that that's found money for them. That fills a, a big hole. Now all of a sudden you're not scrambling as hard to fill holes up front. Again, the question is why would two teams give up on him in the space of one season? And you know, Pittsburgh, I'm sure thought the same thing. You know, we're going to get this guy. We're going to play him with. He'll have Malkin and Crosby to to play with. He'll be a 25 goal scoring, and it, it didn't happen for him. So he'll get that chance with the Canucks. He'll have to play his way out of a role in the top six. And so, like, from now until the end of the season, I fully expect to see him in that role on a nightly basis. And then we'll just see where it goes from there. Um, Ironic that the Canucks win after making these moves and uh, after hitting another bit of a skid, which I don't know if it changed their uh, mindset, Ed, to sort of say... Yeah, okay, meaningful games. Yeah, okay, playoffs. But no, let's let's really look to, to secure the future here. Um, but Jonathan Dolan, again, I'd heard, you know, mm-hmm. Matt Sakaris yep, yep. last week said that he'd heard he was on the block. Obviously, they didn't like what they saw enough to try and promote that. I'm seeing this painted by some. Petrus Pamu wanted out. Now Dolan wanted out. Mm-hmm. Didn't like the way... Is there an issue here or not? Or is this one of these things that it's just so easy to make a fuss out of? I, I, I think it's a bit of that, but I think this is one of those things that can start taking on a life of its own when people can point to elements that build toward a narrative they want to see. And for a team that's supposed to be rebuild, rebuilding, I'm, I'm just not sure if the Canucks are in a position where they can afford to let a player like Dallin go because they didn't like the speed at which he was developing and the player didn't like the way he was being used. Um, I, I'm, I, I will freely admit I'm blinded uh, on, on this player because I saw him with Utica when he came over from Sweden last year step into a really tough series against the Toronto Marlies and not look out of place as a 20-year-old. And then I also saw him at, forgive me, the Young Stars. And at yep. that point, there was very little to choose between. I'm going to sound crazy. There was very little to choose between Elias Patterson and Jonathan Dolan. They looked for all the world like they were going to kind of march, march in lock, lockstep through their Canucks career, being this great tandem. You know, the, the playmaking center and the finisher on the wing. And uh, for them to give up on him, obviously they didn't see the same thing or they didn't think it was worth the headache. But it, Or this it, year's it, gone terribly in Utica. Because it, I, but it hasn't, Paul. That's the whole thing. When you look at his No, numbers, according to them. Yeah, I know. I know. I know it has. Uh, I, I think this is more on the play, but and then the other point I, w- I was going to make is the, the relationship 
was a little fractured at the be- the beginning of not this season but last season. Uh, if you remember right, uh, Dolan had mono in in, in training camp. Uh, he recovered. The, the organization went to him. We want you to play in Utica, and he said, "You know, I'm just not sure if I'm ready for that." Went back to Sweden and then had this like incredible season with Timra, his his home club team lifts them into dude is a folk hero with Timra. Or I'm sorry, he's a hero with Timur, and he's a bit of a folk hero in Sweden just based on this one season, elevating that team back into the Swedish Premier League. So, uh, Premier League, the Swedish Elite League. So, again, he just seemed, you know, and, and the the way the trade, you know, they gave up a, you know, declining Alex Burroughs, they get this really good prospect back. It just seemed to be like like such a good story for the Canucks to sell, and now here we are talking about it. Like what went wrong in the space of one season that led to this? I agree with you. I wasn't at Young Stars, but the talk preseason was that people were pretty excited about this prospect, like a blue chip prospect. Yeah, talked about his relationship with Patterson. I don't know what's there. Sometimes it's like, hey, they're both Swedish. They must have grown up together, right? Like, uh, you must know Sven. <laughs> like, it's just it's 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 a little bit ridiculous. <laughs> Let's know my cousin in Gothenburg. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, but they, you know, the no, but, no, no, but there really is a history the there, Paul. They played on the junior team in Timra together, and, and Dolan, I remember, told this great story about their regular Sander getting hurt, and the coach comes to them, and like he's kind of the star of the team. He's playing on a first line, said, Who do you want to play with? And Pedersen has just joined him, and he's seen this kid, and he said, I kind of like the look at this kid. They put Pedersen on a line, I can't remember who the other guy was, but in the space of, I can't remember the exact numbers, but it's something like in eight games, he gets. 12 points and they go on this winning streak. I believe they played a whole season in Timmer together. Then Pedersen makes the decision to go step up into the into the elite league and he has this incredible season with Vasho. Um, Dolan stays behind and plays in tier two but still he's playing against men and not a bad league and he is the best player in that league from everybody I've talked to and that includes like Matthias Oland and Thomas Grudin. So, again, you, there's kind of this disconnect between the story they were telling at the end of last season versus the story they're telling now. So, um, I digress for a second when... It's, uh, it's okay. We're, it's kind of our stock and trade yeah, here. Uh, yeah. You know, P, I, I do the little radio, sports radio hits pretty yeah. much every day talking about what's in the paper, and we get into a little bit of banter. And last year, Whitecap signed this guy called Anthony Blondell from oh, the Venezuela oh, yes, League. Yes. And I'm asked, well, Paul, you're a soccer guy. What can you tell us about Anthony Blondell? <laughs> yeah, well, my extensive knowledge of the Venezuelan League <laughs> leads me to say I've seen some YouTube highlights. So on that, the return for Dolan, I know we don't know a lot about him, but what's the hope here? Well, okay, drafted by the Sharks. So for me, that's always a good sign because they are one of the five best drafting teams in the NHL. I and I, I, I don't know. I'm going to tell you a funny story about this when we get done. I, I, I just look at his hockey DP page and his elite prospects page, and he kind of seems like a strong two-way player. I can tell you this. He played with Sweden in, at the World Junior in Victoria, and I watched four games of them, and I couldn't tell you who he was. So he had a, he had a role so on the team. saying more about you or him, did, Ed. So, well, no, I was focused <laughs> on the kind of the higher end of the, of the lineup. Plus, I didn't really think the Canucks would uh, would uh, end up. I'm sorry. Here, I'm going to call timeout because i got to tell this story. It's one of my favorite hockey stories uh, involving what we're talking about here. So it's, it's, it's the draft in the mid-'90s. 
and it's just at the time when when they start they're starting to take Russian players. And Bob McKenzie was the draft guru. He he planted his flag in that territory long before everyone. So he was he's kind of like the Mel Kiper of the draft. So the Winnipeg Jets are exploring Russian, and, and they have identified this player named Sergey Bouton. And I know if this doesn't generate clicks in Winnipeg, I don't know what will. Um, They've identified this who, who played for Dynamo for one season. He's a 26-year-old, and they think he is this wrecking ball. He thinks he, he, he's like 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 the guy in Rocky. I'm sorry, it's a good joke if I can get it out. Well, Dolph Lundgren's character? Uh, yeah, Ivan Drago. Yeah. They, they think he's Ivan Drago on skates. So so they draft him. So nobody's heard of him. Nobody has a hot clue who this guy is. So they go Sid to Finch. so they go they they go to the McKenzie and they go uh, yeah. So Bob, what can you tell us about Sergey Bouton? And McKenzie's yeah, yeah, he's going oh jeez. So he goes well you know I I he's kind of a typical Russian player like a very good offensive forward he's 5'10 stocky 180 pounds but you know high skill uh could he could be a good find for the Jets and, th- and then we see Sergey about and he's like he's like 6'4 210 he has the worst haircut of all time his nickname was Shaggy from the character in, Sco- in Scooby-Doo he was also a chain smoker as it turned out of course. and uh, and, uh, and uh, when he was traded to Detroit later, he got there and Scotty Bowman looked at him and went, this is the worst conditioned athlete I've ever seen. So that's the story of Sergey Bouton in the draft. Yeah, it's, well, I mean, this is, you look at these prospects and you sort of say, um, I mean, there, there's always hope. And as long as you're in Utica and you haven't seen the guy struggle at the NHL level, Canuck fans or wh- whichever organization, to be honest with you, will look and say, oh, look, this guy's going to be great in one year or two years. And I think that now... If there was a surprise yesterday, it was that the Canucks managed to pull off two moves. But you look at that back end, Ed, and I sort of say the surgery is nowhere near done. Like, where are the prospects? Obviously, Ulevi coming off a major injury, but it would have to be a massive disaster for him not to fit in next year. We know Quinn Hughes is coming. We did the pod on that last week. But what else is there? I even saw someone suggest yesterday that this is just clearing out more room, both financially and physically for a run at Eric Carlson. Well, that's what I've always thought. That's that's kind of that you know that that's the blue sky solution to, to all this and, and failing that. There there are guys like Tyler Myers. I think they make a really big investment in in, in a defenseman in free agency in the offseason. I, I don't see how this plays out any other way. The other alternative and I've been kicking this around I, I I've thought for a while that they, they look at Jake Vertanen and go, yeah, it's just not going to happen for him here, and he still has a bit of value. So can they package Jake Vertanen uh, for a kind of a, a defensive player and a, kind of a similar point in his career, like a high pick who maybe hasn't, like, like filled expectations, but, you know, the Canucks think they can bring him here, work him here, make him part of the blue line. That's the other thing, I think. Well, I, I asked that as well with, you know, Every year there's questions about Chris Tanev. Obviously, it sounds like yeah. they're really, they're desperately working towards some sort of an extension with Edler. I think that will come, even though there's suggestions there are a fair way apart. I think now you know that's uh, that's one of their top priorities. Um, do they need more depth on the blue line? I'm not yeah. just talking about the NHL club. I'm talking about that next level of going out and maybe... You know, you take who you take wherever your pick ends up in the lottery, but are they paying more attention to the blue line even to stock Utica to give two, three, four years down the road more options? Well, yeah, because a couple of things. The crazy thing about the blue line is like, if, if you get two of them, 
you can find pieces to build around them. You, you just have to have those cornerstone pieces. So, so there's that. And then, you know, I look at the guys they've drafted. I think Jet Wu is a really good prospect. What that means, I don't know. With, you know, that and a quarter, you can buy a cheap cigar, right? I think the Rathbone kid in, Har- in Harvard, there's a chance he might turn into a player. They've got Quinn Hughes. So, like, you know, that that's not a bad representation right there. But they need somebody right now. If they're going to continue with this, you know, we're going to be competitive. We're going to build the best team possible. They have to. They can't go into next season with uh, Alex Adler and Chris Tanev as their number one and their number two defense. Oh, but they can. Well, <laughs> you know, you've uh, seen this movie before. No, well, I know they have. But even like in, in private talks with with Benning and, and even listening to him, like I, I think he understands yeah. just the optics of that and what it would look like. And the first time the one of them blocks a shot and breaks an ankle or a toe and they're out four to six weeks, so like it's game over. So... They're going to get some bodies in. I think there will be at least one kind of like sexy free agent signing in in, in there. Hey, and I saw someone report this morning that uh, Trampkin's social media header is still a picture of him in a Canucks jersey. There you so go. that must mean he's coming back. I remember I, 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 his agent is I, he, at the time was Mark Gandler, and I, I know him because Mark Gandler was the uh, Russian agent of choice for that first generation. So he represented all the Winnipeg Jets guys. And I remember asking him when Trampkin went to Russia, I said, is this it? Is he's gone and he's never coming back? And he wouldn't close that door. He said, you know, maybe in a couple of years, maybe in a couple of years he'll, he'll, he'll want to try the NHL again. So I just throw that out there. Yeah, absolutely. When you look at, um, when you look at this team, though, and obviously, you know, it's pretty clear Benning wants to make his biggest splash as possible at the draft because it's here in Vancouver and everything else. You talk about the making run at some free agents. Do you think that there are more trades in the offing? I mean, you mentioned Vertanen, but is this this a path that Jim is, um, I don't want to say aggressively exploring, but is sort of, are all cards on the table? How how can they not be with with this team and and where they finished in the the standings the last three seasons and where it looks like they're going to finish this year? I mean, he would be derelict in his duties if he didn't. I don't think trading is the first option. Yeah. Invariably, unless you're dealing with, like, unless you're in that David Poyle universe where you've got a blue chipper, but you need this blue chip part for your team. So you flip your blue chipper for that blue chipper, and it's Shea Weber for uh, P.K. Subban, or it's Ryan Johansson for Seth Jones. Unless you, and the, the, it just seems like Doug Wilson and, and David Poyle are the only two that can pull that out. So I don't think I think that is an option for them. Yeah. I think the first place they explore is free agency, and then they see what what could develop in the trade market. Jim has not been afraid. God bless him. He hasn't been afraid to pursue trades. He's made a ton of them. Just most of them haven't been very good. They've just kind of been this kind of like not dreadful sta- either, though. Yeah, yeah, like, no, no, no. They're, they're, they haven't crippled the Canucks, but it's just kind of been like this stasis. And like I wrote yeah. today, they haven't. It hasn't accelerated the the rebuild to any degree that I can see. So, what do you expect the rest of the way here? I mean, the, the NHL season now seems to have really. You know, it, it it's just got all these mileposts along yeah, the way, yeah. and the trade deadline is the last one before it's like, okay, boys, here we go, playoff run, and then we get into the off-season um, chatter. But where's where's this team going on the ice? I mean, the injuries are still, they have crippled this team. Do, but do you not remember when we sat here, I, I guess it's about three weeks ago, coming out of the All-Star break, and we were talking about it, and I said, the only thing I hope out of this is they stay relatively healthy for the next two to three weeks. Which they didn't. They, they couldn't even get out of one game. They go into Colorado for the first time all season. They have everybody. They've got Levo in the lineup and everybody else. 
Sven Berge has post-concussion syndrome, he's gone, and then they start dropping like flies. So I, I would like to see them get some semblance of their lineup back together. It looks like Edler is pretty close. Some of the other guys have started skating. I'd like to see Edler in the lineup. I'd like to see Vertanen in the lineup. And I'd just like to see how they do down the stretch here with the other pieces they have coming in. I, I think it's pretty obvious they're going to add Quinn Hughes at some point to just, yeah, I read you know, that somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the retweeters that that, that, that oh, I love on stuff yes. like that. Anybody else know about yeah. this? Yeah, Beatles broke up. Well, what I have um, to say is after that, I do the national podcast with Mike Trakos, and Trakos brought up, and you know, there is a possibility that Quinn Hughes will join the Bears. I'm like, Mike, I have to stop you there. It's been kind of news yeah, here. Yeah. I know you've got every team in the league to stay up on, but... Um, well, you know, it, it, and I'm sorry, sorry for interrupting, but it's funny because I, I was reading some of the national hockey writers in the States grading the Canucks trade deadline. And, and actually, one of them actually absolutely nailed Good Branson, which I thought, because I just didn't think they were aware, they were aware the Canucks even have, Vancouver even has a team in the NHL. But that same person didn't write a word about the Dallin trade. It, just, it didn't even mention it, right? So, uh, uh, yeah. Well, I, I mean, I look at the team and, and you know, all year they sort of, when I think they're done, they'll surprise me yeah, and yeah. go on a mini run and, yeah. you know, okay, that was one game. Um, against a very bad Ducks team. Uh, but they got a shutout, which was, I think mm-hmm. is great for Markstrom. And um, I think now, uh, you know, Kuzma wrote a very interesting piece over the weekend about the psyche of looking back at Cortnall and Ronning and what it's like going through the trade deadline. I know a lot of these guys sort of weren't under threat, but there's no doubt that players are looking around, seeing yep. friends, former junior teammates move. And that once that's over now, I think this team obviously focuses getting back healthy, uh, being competitive down the stretch. I mean, I still think this team has made progress this year. Oh, yeah, I, I, I do too. I do too. And, and I think it'll be really interesting to watch how these last, I guess it's 19 games now, play out because I, I, I think Travis Green has succeeded in instilling the kind of game he wants them to play. Now, we can argue about that, and there's been it was, there's been some interesting debates about that on on, on Media Row uh, the, the last couple of weeks. And the, and. That's the other part of the Dallin story. He just didn't fit that style. That kind of like, you know, really fast, backward, forward, back pressure, get in on the four check, turn around, but play fast, 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 play a pressure game. Um, and then Dallin really isn't that kind of player. So I, I, from what I see, you know, the Canucks from the one thing I've seen about the Canucks from, from the start of the season to this is they have been playing for the most part the same style. The same game, you can see where they're going, you can see what Green wants to do, and for the most part, they've been reasonably competitive playing it. Even the game against the Islanders, like it was crazy. The shots were like 30-14 and they were down 2 nothing. Um, so we win the Corsi, yay. Uh, <laughs> but that's kind of been the case really for so many games where they played pretty well and, and just their lack of scoring depth, their lack of skill up front, that home run hitter. Because uh, if it's not Pedersen, it's just it doesn't seem to get done. So I just want to see how they're going to do here. You know, when the games again are ratcheted up another notch here over the last uh, nineteen. Well, when you talk about Dolan, of course, that was a, a, a savvy moves at the trade deadline is getting rid of of Hansen and Burrows at the mm-hmm. time for, of course, Dolan and Goldobin, who. 
You know, again, decent game, got yep. on the score sheet, but uh, a guy who you talk about a fit in Travis Green system, I don't know how many more hard lessons you can teach the guy. No. I guess this is his last audition now, isn't it? These are. Well, I, think I guess so. there was a yep. scenario he could have moved yesterday, but obviously yeah. that no, didn't No, no, I know. I think so. I, th- I think he stays there. I think he stays in that role from now until the end of the season, and now it's I, to me it's kind of up to him to what he does with it. 23 is turning 24 next season. Uh Players age differently. It used to be, you know, they'd hit their prime 27, 28. Now, if, if you're, down, you're not getting it done, you know, by, by 23, 24, uh, you're going to be moved. And you might get another shot with another organization, but uh, the, 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 the wait list and the patience for, for, for guys like that just isn't what it used to be. Uh, I, I really hope he shows well because he's, he's re- he, the Canucks, obviously, they need a lot. But for what he could be, scoring and skill on the wing, a guy who can play on the top six, that would be found money for them. I, I, I love Jim Benning sometimes. Like, you know, I, I know the public perception of him, yeah. and I know, like, he had that quote last week on Goldobin that he still has so much to learn and time is running out for him. Yeah, but we have no one else who can do what he does, so he has to play. Yeah, yeah. It's sort yeah. of like, well, that's, that's true. A, no, I know it's a very that's honest a, yeah. assessment, and yeah. he kind of got, you know, tarred and feathered with his own words because of that. But that's where you look at these young players, and it's sort of like when you look at Utica, and as you said, you've been, you've spent a couple of springs in Utica, or at least, you know, one, one abbreviated yeah. and one yeah. long one. Um, to look at that program, which seems in some ways to be in the right, going in the right direction, but. You also need talent there to develop as well. Obviously, you need to have those ingredients mm-hmm. in order to make it work. So, I guess this this idea is: is there anyone else down there? I mean, we saw we've seen McEwen on a yeah. very abbreviated basis. I don't know what people are expecting there. We know Quinn Hughes is coming. Is there anyone else down there that you think we will see as the season gets closer okay, to the end? If they're not fighting, you're not going to like my answer. It's it's Brendan Gaunt's for me. Yeah, like he he's gone down there. I mean, the kid's like six three two twenty, and he's just under a point a game there. Over, I think it's the last time I looked, it was like thirty four thirty five games. I don't hate that answer. That's uh, <laughs> someone. <laughs> well, no, but he just. I, I think everybody was looking for you know you know we can Cole Lind or yeah. Gadjevich or Jasek or you yeah. know one of these other you know young prospects who seemingly uh we're, we're pointed in the right direction i that's that's the guy i want to see in the in the nhl is you know he's he's a, he's a big body he gets it done there um you know has his skating improved he was you know wasn't the greatest skater in in today's nhl but he's got another, an, a lot of other attributes too I think the other interesting thing is uh, you know, Ashton Sautner has come up and showed really well, and it's unfortunate he had that he had a dreadful jaw injury. Yeah. Like he's still playing with a full, a full shield. And I remember talking to somebody in, in the Utica organization. And he said like, the thing about Sautner is the game is easier for him at the NHL level because he thinks the game and positionally he's so sound. In the AHL, it's scrambly and you know pucks come at you from weird places and players come at you from weird places. In the NHL, it's a lot more ordered, and I think we've seen that. I thought. Sautner had a real calming effect on Goody. The couple of games they played together, I thought he really settled him down. So, uh, but Shen doesn't look like a bad fit. Though. Well, the one player. game again, yeah, you know, hundred percent, hundred percent. He just seems to realize his limitations a little more than Good Branson did. I think short term he can give them everything Eric did. Um, cast your eyes around the rest of the league now. Uh, I, I mean, whether the Canucks are in the playoffs or not, yeah. who did you like? Um, what they did yesterday, and who do you think really are the front runners at this point to to make a long cup run? I I I liked. I don't think you can start altering 
your first line, your top pairing defenseman with acquisitions at the trade deadline. I think you're just like disrupting too much of the locker room. And I, and, and I look at what Columbus did, and, and yeah, they're sexy, and yeah, we got Matt Duchesne, and yeah, we got Zingle, and look at we got look at all these great players we got now. I, I, I just don't see where that pushes them over the top. The, the, the teams that I really like what they did, I like Nashville. They, they go out, they get Wayne Simmons, they got Brian Boyle earlier, they got um, I'm sorry, Granlund from yeah. Minnesota. So, so, you know, they, they improved the area they needed to, which is kind of their five through seven spots on, the, on their forward line. And that was a pretty good team to begin with. I like what Boston did. I think Boston is a team that's built to win now. Uh, and no, come got, on, Ed. Come on. Know, we've I, seen I the Red Sox. The we've did. seen the Patriots. <laughs> We're going to have to I live with that. And, and See that obnoxious oh, yeah, little... I'm going to go through my list of my all-time favorite general managers. Oh. And again, I like what Doug Wilson did. They got Nyquist. Yeah. I mean, that San Jose team is crazy. So, like, Nyquist is now, like, their seventh or eighth best forward. And their ninth best forward might be wow. Joe Thornton right now. Why well, so, no? They're, look, they're, the they, NHL. They are so loaded. I, and now it's up to Marty Jones. There, there's a, if you look at the NHL over the last six weeks, I mean, and somehow no one's talking about Tampa Bay, but Tampa Bay looked near invincible, but so did Boston yeah, and yeah. so did San Jose. And, you know, I mean, I think the Leafs still have something to say there. Um, there's a lot of very good teams at the top end of the NHL this year. That's where, I mean, I'm with you. If I'm Columbus, I, I I would have maybe this is I'm I'm afflicted too much by being in this market. I would have gone the other way and sold off for picks yeah. and said let's let's get our futures because if you don't get, I mean you're not going to get Penner and probably not Bobrovsky back and then who knows about Duchesne. But you're sitting here looking at that team going, how can you climb that mountain in the East? I know you want to show something. I know you want to go for it, but. There are some very good teams in the NHL this year who are just starting to flex their muscle. And if you add, uh, you talked about San Jose, but if if, if you add um, both Winnipeg, mm-hmm. Vegas made a nice move yep. yesterday, yep. Nashville's there Calgary's. as well. Calgary, <laughs> top team in the division, I haven't even mentioned them. And then even beyond that. And now they have Oscar Fattenberg but, too. So if that doesn't push them over the top, I don't but know look what at what will. Chicago and St. Louis yeah. have both been in the last month yeah, as well. Right. Like you got some teams charging hard for the playoffs, yeah. and that's where maybe it did make sense for the Canucks to back away a little bit and go, look, yes, we want these games to matter. Yes, we want to be in the hunt, but realistically, we got a lot of work to do to get to that level. Yeah, I think so. I think that's fair. 100%. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for coming in, Ed. We'll leave it there. Thanks for listening, everyone. This is the White Towel Podcast. You can check out our videos and uh, subscribe to this so you get it delivered to your inbox every week through Apple Podcasts. Please give us a rating. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you later in the week.